So welcome back to The Expert Edge. Hope you are doing well. Today, I interview Jake Keffler. And Jake is an expert that helps coaches and course creators write best-selling books. Uh, Jake's got a really fascinating background because he came from the MBA, was involved in MBA at a really young age, created some incredible events that basically signed over 70 MBA uh, players into the NBA and he's just got this ability to network, to connect and it inspired him to write his first book at about the age of 23. And then from there, he's about to write his fourth book. He's had three best-selling books, which is super cool. And uh, he's been featured in Forbes, uh, Business Insider, USA Today, NBC, ESPN, Sports Illustrated, a whole bunch of areas. But what's cool about this interview is we really went down into the nitty gritty detail of if you've felt stuck in writing your book and you've been wanting to write your book, or maybe you've got the start of a draft of a book, how do you first of all get clear in terms of the process of writing a book? And then write the right type of book that's going to lead towards the greatest impact and also the greatest profit in your business. So we explore all of it. And uh, it's just a really fantastic conversation with Jake. He's high energy. Uh, he's got amazing enthusiasm. And I know that he's making a big impact in many high-level uh, coaches and experts in this industry. So that's why I wanted to bring him on and share him with you to inspire you in writing your best-selling book. Let's get into it with Jake Keffler. You are listening to the Expert Edge Podcast. This is the place where experts come to command the stage, position themselves as authorities, and scale their business up. Get ready to access your next level of potential with your host, Colin Boy. Jake Kelfer, welcome to the Expert Edge, brother. What's going on, Colin? Happy to be here, my man. Let's go. <laughs> I love it, mate. Hey, it's going to be exciting today. We're having a conversation uh, really about how to utilize the power of, of your message through the function of books and launching books and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, in terms of the listeners, they might be at so many different levels in terms of their journey with their book. They might be just starting out in terms of like thinking, I would love to write a book, or maybe they've created a book and they haven't launched it well, or maybe they've done it and they've realized the power of it. So tell us from your experience, like what got you into being obsessed with creating launching books, using books to grow your expert business and your coaching business? Uh, yeah. What was that journey for you? How did that come about? All right. So, so I loved books from a very young age. You know, I remember being in high school and my dad says, you need to read how to win friends and influence people, right? Like, <laughs> like my dad was on me from the I reread that the other day. <laughs> it's great. It's great. It's a so classic. Good. You know, I, yeah. I still reference things in different keynotes all about that. And so yeah. I always loved books, but here's how I thought society worked. I thought you went to school, you got a job, you made a lot of money. And here was my plan. I wanted to go to college. I wanted to be a sports agent. I wanted to make a shit ton of money. Then I wanted to buy a house. Then I wanted to buy an island. Then I wanted to get married, have kids. And then once I had quote unquote become successful, I could then write books and give back and speak and give to charities. And what I quickly realized very early on in my career is I was working for Los Angeles Lakers and I was working for the team, Kobe Bryant's final NBA season. And I was like, damn, what if I've been thinking about this all backwards? What if the impact can come before the societal definition of success? 
And so I came home one day and I asked myself, what do I know and how can I help people? Less than six months later, Kobe Bryant retires, I retire, and I launched my very first book called Elevate Beyond, which becomes an Amazon bestseller. Now, all of a sudden, I'm like, holy smokes, this is much different than I expected. Now I'm speaking, I'm writing, I'm like, I have a whole new path right ahead of me. I've now done what I thought you had to wait to do by 23. So I keep working in sports. I decide, you know what? I'm a best-selling author. I can't just go back to the mailroom and work with all the interns and everything. Like I gotta do something different. I gotta go big or go home. Like that's my mentality. So I said, I'm gonna create a secondary NBA event to help these NBA players turn their dreams of playing pro ball into their reality. And everyone was like, that's the craziest idea. It's never gonna work. It would have been done if it could have been done. Like, who are you? You don't even know people. And I was like, watch me. So we end up putting on this event. We end up having over half the NBA there, over 20 players there, and every single person gets a job. Over the next three years, we help over 70 NBA guys sign contracts in 30 plus countries, resulting in tens of millions of dollars over these years. And then I wrote my second book. And then I wrote my third book. And all of a sudden I started to recognize all this is with the book is the same thing that I helped NBA players do, turn their dream into their reality. And I said, if I could do that with NBA players, the greatest athletes in the world, could I do this with entrepreneurs helping them turn their dream of writing a book into their reality? And that's what led me to starting to help entrepreneurs, executives, experts all around the world write their very own book so that they could turn their dream into their reality. So if we go back in your career, you're working with the NBA uh, and uh, you're running these like cool events where you're connecting, you know, uh, agents with players and getting people signed. You said you signed over 70 NBA players, which is just awesome. At such a young age, you were like really young at that point. So you're obviously like got some going you in terms of like putting it out there. But I'm curious, like what, what, really drove you because you weren't even in the expert industry yet what drove you to actually write a book so the reason i wrote the first book mm. was because i looked at kobe and i recognized that people across the world were spending their life savings to watch him play one time to create a memory that would last them forever and I looked at myself and, and I've always wanted to, to make a difference. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I always knew that that was something I was called to do. And I said, well, I might not be able to change everybody's world just like Kobe's, but what if I could change one person's world? And that's when I knew I had to do something different. That's when I knew I had to figure out a way to stand out. And I was like, I could write a blog. I could create a newsletter. And I was like, what other 23-year-old kid has a book? And that was enough for me to say, go big or go home and give it a shot. And I'll never forget, like I'm writing this book and I'm like, what in the world am I thinking? You know, like, I don't know anything about anything really. You know, like, <laughs> Yeah. Like, I, I remember when I was 23, I knew nothing. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm just like this, this young hustler who's trying to yeah. figure it all out. And I, and all I knew at the time was how did I land my dream job at the Lakers? How did I yeah. land internships? How did right. I network with people? And so I was like, you know what? I'll write the book on that. That's what all my fraternity brothers asked me questions for. That's what my brother, who's three years younger than me, was asking me about. So I was like, that's it. Mm -hmm. So that's how I ended up writing my first book. And I used a book as a vehicle because I knew that it would establish credibility mm -hmm. faster than any other, any other option that I had at that time. 
And this was before I knew the power of an email list. This was power before I had a following. Like I, I just wanted to get a message out there in the way that would look the best and be received the best by society. And people in society view books as the most incredible source of authority. Mm. Do you think there's a massive difference or a big difference between like credibility of being self-published or published by a publisher now? This is a wonderful question, Colin. And I, I think, look, I think there's pros and cons of both. Yeah. However, however, here's what I'm all about. I'm about speed, efficiency, and the value of time. When you self-publish, you maintain 100% royalties, ownership, and control. So our authors finish their books from start to finish in four to six months. And most of these authors are focused on building a business on the back end. Maybe they're starting their business and they're using their book to skip the line and be seen as credible. Maybe they have a six figure business and they use a book to catapult them into seven figures. Whatever stage you're at, a book can be done on your own time frame to achieve the goals that you have. So let me put this into perspective for you. When you get a book traditionally published, that can take anywhere from 18 to 36 months. Yeah, okay? it's long. Some people can do it shorter. Some people it takes longer, but let's play with that average. If I'm a business owner, an entrepreneur, and I value time as my greatest resource, I'd much rather have my book out in six months than my book out in 18 to 36 months. Hmm. Especially if my goal is to generate high ticket clients, lead generation, speaking engagements, raising my fees. That to me, I'll take the extra year, 18 months, 24 months to build rather than have to wait that long to write. And so that's like one of the ways that I kind of view it. Um, and the second thing that I think is really important for us to know is society is evolving. Society is constantly evolving and more and more people are self-publishing than ever before. Absolutely, yeah. It's easier than ever before. And so we're even seeing some really big names in the expert space who have tested the waters, who have self-published. I have a friend and a colleague and he was like, I traditionally published because my ego said that was the move. Mm. But the problem was, is now I was at their disposal. I was mm -hmm. no longer in control. Had I sold this on my own and sold the same amount of copies, I would have made exponentially more. I would have been able to distribute it differently. When you self-publish, you can give books away like hotcakes, mm -hmm. using it as business card, using it as different ways to get past gatekeepers. But when you traditionally publish, you have limitations. Mm -hmm. so, so there's so many other things that we could discuss that. But and I those think are it's some what of the few. Yeah, what you're looking for, isn't it? Like if you're kind of like, if you're in the academic space and you want to be, you know, kind of like an academic thought leader, you want, you're not really looking to like build a business. You're more looking to establish yourself. I can see the pros of going with like, there is a bit of ego with it. There's a bit of like notoriety with that. But I, I definitely think that now these days, you know, I don't look down upon anyone if they self-publish. Like, you know, I'll read the book if it's, if it's good, I'll read it. You know, there's tons of people I've read recently and it's just been self-published books. If there's enough, if the content is good, I don't care whether it's self-published because I've read some bad, you know, published books as well. So um, oh, I love that. I love that. So in, in terms of uh, when you, because I haven't written a book yet, right? So I, I've got a few books that I've been thinking about and started, but haven't actually like produced yet. Um, but in terms of like actually like building out the idea for the book, where have, where do you find that that comes from? 
So, so I did a podcast about this the other day, so I'm, I'm fresh with this, but here's the thing as an expert, you already have the knowledge. You already have the experience. You already have the skills. Mm. The only thing you don't have is that in the form of a book. Mm. You already teach it. You already love talking about it. You're already passionate about it. You're most likely already making money doing the damn thing. All you got to do is convert it into the vehicle of a book. Now, Mm. how do you know which idea is the best idea? Well, you have to understand why are you writing this book in the first place? So I was talking with a friend of mine the other day, she's a coach and she's like, I have these two book ideas. And one of them was this like children's series, more of a passion project. And one of them was the book that is directly related to her course that has generated her millions of dollars. And I said, okay, well, what's the purpose here? Do you want to focus on the passion project that will take time and take energy away from the business? And if so, that's okay. Or do you want to write the book that is based off what you've made millions of dollars doing, and that will serve as your entry point for new customers that will serve as your ability to now raise your fees from five grand to 10 grand. That will be the thing that allows you to sell more courses, to sell more coaching tickets, because you will now have elevated your credibility in the eyes of that niche. And so it's really important that when you're coming up with your idea, you have to understand what's that why in in the first place. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, when it comes to understanding the idea is, and you're trying to figure out which idea to use is, well, what is your coaching program or offer already about? What do people already come to you for? What problems are you best in the world at solving? What do you get geeked up about talking about? And what can you do the fastest? Because speed Again, never sacrifice quality for speed, but speed will help you get to that end game much, much, much faster than trying to dilly dally for a year and a half, making a decision on which book you should write about. So what I'm hearing is that if you've already got an offer that you enjoy delivering, you're getting results with, the closer you can align your book with the offer from a business perspective, the better. Yes, it, it can very well go that way. So let's give an example here, right? We had a, um, I had a guy, he came to me, he's like, I've been wanting to write a book for a very long time. I'm pivoting out of the corporate world. He was a educator at a college. I'm pivoting out of the corporate world and I really want to build my coaching business. I have some clients, but I need something more established. And for him, I was like, oh, this is an unbelievable opportunity to write your book. We'll be able to create your framework while we're doing it. And we'll be able to give you the credibility you need to be seen as a legitimate contender in the coaching space right off the bat. Mm. We've also had a client, right, who already has the offer completely built out. And then we say, look, you already have the author. You have your five pillars. That's your five chapters. Mm. You already have your testimonials. Those are your testimonials, your success stories. You have your personal experiences. Those are your, those are your stories. That is a book right there. And when we use our framework, it can take 30 days or less to write out this rough draft. Mm. So in terms of the book, uh, because uh, first of all, I love, I think it's so true that, you know, with a book, it gives you credibility. One of the phrases I've always said um, across the years, but I obviously haven't activated it, is that a book is for positioning and a course is for profit. And if you can combine the two, you've got a really, really like exceptional business. Now I've done the course, got the coaching programs, the masterminds, all that sort of stuff. We've been doing that for years, but I haven't done the book yet. And I would 
you know, if I'm really honest, I think if I had a book, it would position me more strongly. Uh, like it, it could be an extra thing that could position me. It's more shareable, all that sort of stuff. So I can see the power of it. What would you say to people with uh, the fear of, hey, if I write a book, then people won't buy my course. Like they've got the book. I've got my opinion on this, but what what are your thoughts? I'm I'm a give the house type of guy at this point in my career. So here's what I mean by this is I think a book, because I've read books two different ways. One, where it's purely a sales pitch. They give you just enough information and then it's all about buying the thing on the back end. That pisses me off more than anything, all right? Yes. Personally. Like there's no value in it, right, yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, I'm gonna give you a teaser. I'm like, look, I could have just watched your ad instead for two minutes instead of trying to read this book waiting for it. Like, you hooked me, great, you did that part, but you ain't gonna convert me, all right? Mm -hmm. But I've also seen books, and this is where we really try to focus on, where you give so much value that the person may be able to achieve a portion of the results entirely on their own. But if they want help implementing it and they want help executing on it in a efficient time frame, they're going to call you up quicker than you can dial the buttons on your phone. Mm. And that to me is incredible power. And especially if you already have such a great positioning, like you have such great stuff already for you to have a book, what you're doing is you're just fast tracking the customer's experience. Mm. Cause here's the thing so, that most to building people credibility, like and trust. building credibility. Yeah. But watch this, what most people forget to remember is let's say it takes an average person two to four weeks to read a book. Okay. People read 10 books a year, 12 books a year. Some people read all the way up to 30 to 50, but let's say you're one of those books for that person. They've heard of you. Hence why they're going to buy your book. They're clearly interested in learning more about your topic to solve their problem. They don't really care about you necessarily. They care about, can you solve their problem? Yeah. So now what happens is they buy your book. Cool. You get a $10 royalty check in the mail. Awesome. Doesn't really matter. But what happens now is twofold. One, you incorporate lead generation tools in your book to acquire the customer data because you don't get that when a book sale is made on Amazon. This is really important for how we run expert businesses. But the second thing that you have to recognize is every single night or every single morning when that person has reading time for two to four weeks, you are the person they think of when they wake up or when they go to bed. And I don't know about you, but if I can get inside someone's head and they're thinking about me all night long before they go to dream about their business growth, the next logical step is for them to reach out or to do something because they now trust me enough to make a decision. And that is a powerful positioning tool, credibility tool, and marketing tool to leverage just by frequency bias. Mm, and I can imagine if they're thinking about me in the morning and the evenings, that's a very blessed life. So <laughs> yeah, it, it's all signs point to you're in heaven. You know what I mean? In good space. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, people love that. People love that from me. So, uh, okay. So this is, this is really good. Uh, my opinion is that, is that the, the book, the book is just a vehicle of delivery and it's a low barrier to entry for people. And it also builds massive credibility. So I know for me, you know, I've bought four or five books from people and then paid them 50 grand to do coaching with them, <laughs> you know, and, and, the, and they've literally said to me, so what I'm going to teach you is exactly what we, <laughs> what, what I wrote in this book, basically just everything you're going to learn is what you wrote in the book, but it's, but it doesn't, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't feel like you are just paying for a book. Like it, it's a totally different experience. So, 
Um, I, I really think that it doesn't take away from someone buying your course if anyone has that fear uh, personally. So in terms of uh, building out and outlining your book, what's like the general process that you teach uh, to get people started, you know, getting them happening? Like, do you, do you recommend even them declaring to the world that they're writing a book? It's going to be released on a certain date, all that sort of stuff. Like what's, what's the motivational structure and process that you move, move people through if people are wanting to write a book? So there's two questions here that I want to dissect. One of them is, do you portray this out loud? Do you share it with the world? Mm. I'm in the camp of, let me get you so excited that when the book does come, you're going to feel like you're a part of this. I'm in the camp of, come with me. Let me show you the journey and my mistakes, my greatness, my mishaps, my progress. And then buyers will come and, and you'll be able to build and leverage that as well. So I always tell people, hey, I'm writing my book. So for example, you know, we're on this podcast. I am writing my fourth book very, very soon. And I will be literally doing an entire challenge around it at the race to 30. You know, I turned 30 in a couple months and it's gonna be like <laughs> the race to 30. Will I finish this book before I turn 30? And it's gonna be a 90 day time frame. It's gonna be nuts. Yeah. And that's gonna be huge. People are gonna love that. And they're gonna see how it actually gets done. But the second question is, if you do announce it, well, what is my process to helping you go from that announcement to that successful book? Mm. And when we talk about outlining, I'm a big superhero guy. So we use what we call the Avengers process to outlining your book. And there are three phases and I'm going to break them down mm. and we can dig as deep into them as you would like. The first phase is the Spider-Man phase. The second phase is the Ant-Man phase. And the third phase is the Iron Man phase. Let me explain. The Spider-Man phase, and I'm talking OG Tobey Maguire, okay? The OG Spider-Man. Now, Spider-Man is all about shooting webs, right? Mm. So the first thing that you do when you outline your book is you create a spider web of thoughts. This is where you put your main idea off in your course, your main coaching topic, your keynote topic, and then you draw the spider web of everything that you could possibly teach somebody about that, that topic. Mm. At the end of that, the only way a spider web can actually capture things is when you bridge them together and you create the branches. And that's where you color code and organize by common teachings. Mm. Make sense so far? So like contextual similarities. Exactly. And it's kind of like a big mind map, essentially. Exactly. It's exactly yeah. like a big mind map. And that sets the stage for your educational content in your book. Mm. Okay. So the next phase is Ant-Man. Now, Ant-Man's, an ant as an individual insect is quite irrelevant. We can all agree on that. But if you've ever seen a bug's life or you've ever seen Ant-Man, you know that a lot of ants together can do some pretty remarkable things. And so this is where you build out the lists of your life. So these lists would be your personal experiences related to that topic. I invested in a mentor and then I made 20 grand on it. And now I'm sharing this with you. This will be your list of success stories this person went through this process that I'm teaching you right now. And here was their result. This is where you make your list of inspiration. Hey, I listened to Colin's podcast and I learned this lesson and I want to share this with you. This is your list of DMs you're getting asked, industry topics that are being talked about. You make a bunch of these lists. This becomes your storytelling component of the book. 
So is this in each context or is this just a general list? This is separate from the Spider-Man phase at the beginning. Right. So what we're doing is we're just having a bunch of lists. Okay. Now you see how we'll tie this all together. So your Spider-Man is your educational content. This is where you're listing literally everything that you could teach to the reader to help them solve their problem. Yeah. Then you have your- And is that high phase. level? Do you recommend people to go high level with that first list? Or very, very like topical. Detail? Very topical. Yeah, like topical yes. stuff. Yeah. Yes. So for example, if I'm writing a book on how to write and launch a best-selling book, yeah. I'm going to write down, uh, you know, how to launch your book, how to get reviews on your book, how to edit your book, how to come up with your book idea, how to validate your book idea. I'm going to come up with all those. And then on my branches, I'm going to combine anything related with launching, anything related with editing, anything related with formatting, anything related with limiting beliefs. Yes. And now I know that those are going to be my pillars or my chapters. If you already have a course, you can just say, okay, I have five pillars in my course, yeah. or I have 12 weeks of my program, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, boom, those are your branches. Yeah, makes sense. So now, now you go to the Iron Man phase. And this is where you bring it all together. In the movie Iron Man, if you remember in the very first movie, he gets captured and he's told to build a, a, a weapon. And what he does instead is he takes all these random raw materials and he puts it together and he makes what becomes the prototype for the Iron Man suit. This is now what we're going to do. So when you get to this point in your outlining process, you take all the educational content from the Spider-Man phase, and then you start to plug and play all of the lists that you've made to curate a chapter by chapter outline. And this is a general format that anybody can use. You can say, okay, here's the chapter topic. That's going to be the main theme of that chapter. Then a lot of people in nonfiction books start it with a quote. So you pick a quote that you really like and boom, you're good. Then you can do what we call the story message call to action. So your story, use one of your stories mm. message, use what the key elements that you're teaching next. You could do a story again. You could do another part of the messaging. You could do as much or as little of those on repeat as you want to get the yeah. message across. And then you tell them, here's what I just told you. And here's what to do next. This is where you drive a lead generation tool. This is where you guide them to the next chapter. This is where you give them an action item to keep going. And that's how you build out the foundation of your entire book outline in a matter of a few days. Mm. So essentially this is, is structuring out the book from the, the, the big idea, which is what's the thing that you're good at that people are asking you about and you wanna be known for. And then you've got that first phase of where you're just mapping out the key ideas and then contextually just seeing what's relevant and looking at the bigger pictures. And then uh, and then all the details, like all the stories, all the experiences, the case studies, and then you're kind of bringing that together and, and categorizing it in a more logical format. Is that, does that kind of, the, is that the process? Yeah, it's, it's, it's the process that we use. And, and here's yeah. why. When you actually get to writing the book, which comes after the outlining yes. phase, obviously, yes. there's a huge, huge tip that many people don't know. And that is you will do not edit as you write this book. Mm. And here's why this is so relevant to tie it all together, which will answer your question is what happens with most people is they have a bunch of journals laying around. They have a course, they have a business. They're like, oh, I'm gonna write this book. I kind of know what it's gonna be on. I'm just gonna start writing. But what happens is they start writing the first chapter and they don't really know the direction they're going yet. And because of that, they try to make that first chapter perfect. And so they write it and they're like, oh, I can make this better. I could add this story. I could do that. And so they do it again. 
The next thing they know, three months have gone by and they're still on the first chapter and they're like, screw this. This is going to take me years. It's never going to get done. And so what we encourage our people to do is you use the framework from the Ironman and you write your rough draft as quickly as possible. Mm. You do not edit as you go. You literally convert the outline into word form for your rough draft. Mm. And yes, it will not be great. This is critical and that's okay. Make it crap. Yeah, you just do it. We call it the doggy draft, right? Yeah, because totally. it is rough. All right. Yes, we yes. call it like that. Right. So, so like once that, you do that rough. though, you can not edit as you go. And that allows you to move forward. Every time you move forward, naturally in our minds, we see that as a sense of achievement. And anytime mm. we get that rush, like, oh my gosh, I'm doing it. We come back to do more of that same thing. And that's how we have our authors finish on average their rough draft in under 30 days. We have people doing 24, 27, some people do 32, 40 days, but on average, you're now getting your book done there. And then you can continue with the process, but now you believe that it can get done. You had that big win. You've gotten over that hurdle of who am I to write the book? Can I even fill up enough pages? Do I have enough things to say? Because now you have proof in the pudding and that gives people the confidence to go out and finish and complete their book, which is the entire purpose of starting this in the first place. Yeah, so true. I can imagine a lot of people would kind of get their draft done or something like that, you know, if they weren't working with someone like you, if they're trying to just do it themselves, you know, and, and then just not finish it. And it's just sitting there as a draft. Yeah, right. I mean, I feel so like, I have so much like, excitement for people when they get to this point of the process, because I'm like, you're so close. Like you've done the legwork, like, the, I, in my opinion, the actual writing is like the hardest part. Because after this, you outsource it to a professional editor, a professional formatter, a professional right. designer. But this is you. And this is if you are writing it. You can hire a ghostwriter. You can um, speak to write. There's a lot of different ways now to do this. But I just get so excited. And it, and it kills me when I, when I talk to people. And they're like, Jake, I've, I've had a basic manuscript done for four years. And I'm like, oh, well, where are you at? What do you want it to be? Like, let's do, like, let's make it exciting. Because I just believe that our stories, if you know that your message, your story can help change somebody's life, then it's your responsibility to share it with the world. Because mm. there's a reason that people read more than one book from people in the same space. It's because that person's book did not hit them at that moment in time with the message they needed to hear. Look, there are people that don't know who Tony Robbins is, which blows mm. my mind because we're in the space. <laughs> There are people that read Tony Robbins and are like, nah, it didn't hit me. It's not relatable to me. There are millions of people that say it is the most relatable thing ever. But that person who says Tony isn't relatable might need Colin. That person might need Jake. That person might need Susie. That person might need your book. And so I get so excited and so like just fired up when I know that somebody has this message because they're so close and they can make it happen and they're going to change some freaking lives, which is amazing. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I have very much the same belief. Exactly. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I do what I do. So I love that. And so what would you say is a different way that you think about the writing process or just um, kind of getting books done? What, what are some like either mistakes or a different way of thinking that you recommend that other people make the mistake of doing and, and it kind of stops them from actually achieving it or writing the book that they want to write? I think... There are a few, a few different mistakes. One is not understanding who your audience is. Okay. Mm. The more clear you are on who this book is for, the easier it will be to curate the story 
and communicate directly to that person. And so that's a big, big mistake is people just start writing. And they're like, I'm writing for everybody because a book can be read by anybody, but just like your course isn't for everybody, your book's not for everybody. And if we're using this book to build our business, it needs to hammer home on a specific audience. So that's one big mistake that I see people make. The second big mistake that I see people make is they don't put book time on their calendar. So in their mind, writing a book is a priority, but on their calendar, writing a book is not. And so the minute something gets difficult, they use that as a, oh, well, it's not, I'm good. Like, I, I don't have to work on it today. I can do it tomorrow. Well, tomorrow becomes next month. Next month becomes never. And so I encourage every person to put book time on your calendar. Literally, it's titled book time on your calendar for 30 to 60 minutes a day. And that will get you through the process in four to six months. No problem. Okay. The other mistake is trying to make your rough draft perfect. Mm. Nobody in the history of writing a book has ever made a rough draft perfect. You've never made a course perfect on your first try. You've never made anything perfect on your first try. Now, I have a great, um, a great family recipe that I, that I love to cook with my mom. All right. It's Kugel. It's one of my favorite dishes that I get at the Jewish high holidays. The first time we made that, eh. the second time we made that, cause we were trying different things for, for dietary restrictions. Eh. Third time we made it pretty good. Now it is the greatest, delightful, most scrumptious item that I get to experience. Nothing we do on the first try is ever going to be perfect. So that's another one. And then trying to do everything on your own rather than outsourcing to the professionals. Mm. This is related to editing, designing, and formatting. You can have software that helps you do all these things, but don't try to outsource it to your, your mom or your sister to edit your book. Hire a professional, invest the money in it, and get it done. Cover design. Don't ask John from next door to make you a Fiverr cover design. <laughs> Hire somebody that, that knows what they're doing, right? Hire a graphic yeah. designer that can produce a high quality cover. If your cover sucks, no one's reading your book right? Your cover is important. Formatting. So, so those are some of the mistakes that I, I see people making um, from a really tactical side of thing um, that are really important. And there's obviously the mental side of things as well that becomes really important, but that's a very tactical uh, things that you, people can avoid when it comes to book writing mistakes. Yeah. Is there anything we haven't, haven't covered in this conversation that you think is really important and crucial for the audience to understand if they're really serious about writing a book? I think something that's absolutely incredibly important is to understand the versatility of your book. Okay. Some people are like, Oh, I don't have the time to write a book. I don't have the time to this. I said, do you have the time to make money? Like, do you have the time to make an impact? You know, that's why you're in business. And so I wanted to share a few different ways that you can leverage and monetize your book immediately upon release. Number one, right. it's a paid product. Okay. You can have a low ticket entry point, or it's just a great way to welcome people into discoverability. Number two is you can be a free product, meaning you can give it away, use it as a networking tool. You can do whatever you want to do. Third thing is it gets you access to more opportunities. If you are trying to get on higher level podcasts, but you can't get in touch with the host. Well, now what you do is you reach out to the assistant. You say, Hey, can I send Colin a copy of my book? Now you're getting an address. First of all, that's incredible. Secondly, you're going to, that package is going to get delivered. Uh, we all love packages. We love presents. So now you get past the gatekeeper, you get it in the hands and not that you're expecting anything, but law of reciprocity often plays in your favor. When you give a gift, somebody often says, thank you. That now gets you in touch with that person. The fourth way that you can leverage it is in, as an onboarding gift. 
So when clients join your program, boom, send them a copy of your book. It's signed, handwritten note. They're like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest experience. And five, you can use it as a way to convert clients who are making the big decision. Let's say somebody is looking at two different coaches. Coach A is amazing. Coach B is amazing. Pricing similar. The offer is pretty good. You both get a great vibe. One person has a book. One person doesn't. You might now perceive that person to be giving you a better value. You might be perceiving that person to have more intrinsic knowledge and proof because they took the time to write the book. So those are just five ways, like right off the bat, that you have a book. You can leverage it for your marketing and profitability. And there's no other tool that you can leverage and use as uh, versatile as a book. So that's what I want to just leave it with. Yeah, I love that. I love that, man. Now you're doing a writing project coming up really soon, which uh, you you mentioned, you alluded to, uh, which is you're going to write a book in 90 days uh, before you turn 30. You're a young tuck. I love that. Uh, <laughs> so you're going to write a, a book in 90 days and, and really it's like a look over the shoulder, right? Tell us yeah. about the experience you're going to create. So, so I'm over here thinking about, you know, what can I do for my people, right? Like, how do we make this fun? Because a lot of people don't believe writing a book is possible. They think you have to be a celebrity. You have to have, you know, all this money. You have to have tons of experience. I'm like, no, no, no. We're going to watch an ordinary Joe, AKA me, write a book in less than 90 days. And to make it fun, I said, I turned 30 on December 17th. I don't work the last two weeks of the year. So I was like, I got to get it done by then. <laughs> and so we put this timer on and it's going to be called Project Bestseller. Yeah. And it's going to be the like race it. to 30. All right. It's going to be the race to 30. Will I finish writing and launching a book in 90 days or will 30 come up and catch me, and bite me in the butt? <laughs> and so the whole process is I'm going to be actually giving people the opportunity to actually watch me throughout this entire time. So people are going to be able to opt in for free and they're going to be getting daily updates on what did I do today and how am I feeling emotionally? They're going to get access to weekly calls where we're going to be able to talk about the book process. So if you want to write a book, you can actually do it with me during these 90 days. And if you just want to follow along because you want to see that it's possible, then you can also do that too. So I'm really excited about it. This is a very short time frame for the quality of book I'm trying to create, but I'm so excited. Like I am so pumped about this and I think it's going to, it's going to be fun because I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> so good, Jake. Uh, and what's the best way for them to connect with you if they want to uh, follow you, connect with you, see what you're up to and even be a part of that journey? What's the best places they can go to, Jake? Yeah, the best place is going to be Instagram, which is at Jake Kelfer. And I'll have all of my updates for the, the writing the book, the project bestseller, the training, everything. It will be on my Instagram. I'll be talking a ton about it. So just head over to Instagram and we can chat. We can hang out. We can get you whatever links you need and, and we'll have some fun over there. So good, Jake. Hey, it's been a pleasure having you on the Expert Edge, brother. I know you have inspired a lot of people to... Uh, you know, put their butt on the seat and actually start actually start uh, writing the book that they've been wanting to write for ages. So it's been a pleasure having you on here, mate. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Colin. This was a blast. Why is it so hard to know what content to include in your speeches and webinars? Knowing which ideas to keep in and what to leave out is the difference between just getting claps or signing clients. If you're really serious about making your content highly persuasive, Make sure to download the Persuasive Content Builder while it's still available. Go to www.persuasivecontentbuilder.com 
and get your step-by-step formula for designing and delivering content that connects with your audience and moves them to join your programs. Until then, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Expert Edge.